Welcome to the Nash Biz Podcast, a podcast specifically for business owners in Nashville, Tennessee. Whether you're seeking the best strategies for scaling your business, networking opportunities, or just plain old entertainment, this podcast is for you. Welcome to the show. What is up, everybody? My name is Brady Morgan. I am one of the hosts of the Nash Fist Podcast here with my co-host and business partner, John Trusty. Today, we have a very special guest, Janet Ivey, the creator and CEO of the award-winning children's series, Janet's Planet. And she is committed to enriching the lives of children via education and live performances, TV, and online programming. With over 29 years in the children's entertainment, education, and space science outreach sector, she has captivated Nashville and beyond with her work. She has received 12 regional Emmys and five Gracie Awards for her children's series, Janet's Planet, that airs on 140 plus public television stations nationwide. Her first TEDx talk was in 2014 entitled AWE, Art, Wonder, and Experiential Inspired Science. Her second TEDx talk entitled How to Inhabit Your Very Own Planet, hashtag Planet You, was recorded in April 2019. Janet, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Brady. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on. And I will say there was another paragraph that I didn't add, um, but you know, th- there's a lot that you've done and I'm sure a lot of things that you've seen. And I- I'm really interested, right? Because I think there's two sides to what you do. You know, space exploration is very popular nowadays, um, but there's also the kids side of it, of, you know, kids need to learn the basics of space and astronauts, et cetera. But before we dive into that, let's say me and you were on an elevator. We're going down to floor one together. We're on floor 12. How would you introduce yourself to me and my audience before we get to our destination? Oh, I love this question. I would say, hi, my name is Janet from Janet's Planet. I like to travel at the speed of thought. I want to explore the stars. I want to inspire our youth. I want to make the world a better place. And then you go, who is this unicorn on the elevator? (laughs) (laughs) No, that's perfect. No, and I think the energy is all you need, you know. But but let's start with Janet's planet because I think that that's the core of Janet Ivy is Janet's planet. How does that come about? What is the journey from Janet? You know, the ambitious entrepreneur or whatever you were to hey, I am hosting a TV show that's on 140 plus stations. So I have to go back. So let's go back in the Wayback Machine. So I have been in Nashville since 1985. I started Belmont. uh, And when I started Belmont, it wasn't a university. It was Belmont College. So Mm. any of my peeps out there who are listening. So after college, uh, kind of like, you know, doing performing with Tennessee Performing Arts Center, Tennessee Mm. Rep, uh, and then in the middle of, I, uh, I was with a group called Summer Rose and Ivy. We were on the pitch decks for Mercury Records. They just signed Toby Keith and Shania Twain. The keyboard player from the Allman Brothers was our producer. And it's like we were regularly meeting with these people at Mercury. We were going to have this record deal, right? We would have been the precursors of the Dixie Chicks. Well, in the middle of this like potential record deal happening, everybody's got this story if you're in Nashville, right? Uh I'm like, you know, I got to still make money, right? I still got to pay the bills. So 
uh, I get this call from Opryland and I like, Hey, Janet, you know, you've gotten really close before. I grew up in Covington, Tennessee, home of the Charms Blow Pop and birthplace of Isaac Hayes. But it wasn't like they were teaching, you know, like dance and, you know, uh, musical theater dance down that way. There were lots of cotton fields and blow pops and soul music. So there wasn't that going on. So I could always pass the audition at Opryland, uh, you know, with music or with my acting, but I did come in there and like want to dance and they'd start saying things like pot of And I'm like, I got nothing. Just keep your, keep it up here. Everybody just keep looking at the face. I'm <laughs> smiling up here. So after several years of that, anyway, so in the middle of this summer, Rose and Ivy, Nan Kelly, who many see hosting circle access and, uh, uh, you know, the Opry, that was her name at the time was Summerall. So we got, you know, denoted down to Summer. So she was in another great gal named uh, Cindy was part of this. But so Opryland calls has, hey, we got this little summer job. We don't know if you'll want to do it. It's going to be with kids, a puppet, a big costume character. And I was like, sure, it's three months of work. Yeah, like, fine. Nope. I walk in. So when everybody's going, where did Janice plant it again? It was that moment, May of 1992, I walk in and these like eight, nine, 10, 11 year olds, hi, my name is, and uh, what's your name? And all of a sudden my inner 10 year old was home. Now, what eventually <laughs> happened with the old group of Summer Rose and Ivy, Mercury and Polygram merged, that deal went away. I'm no longer gonna have a record deal. And it was curious because my heart wasn't broken because I was like, oh, that just gives me more time to work with these kids. So in that between 92 and 97, I did something called the Opryland Kids Club. And it's weird. I literally still have people who will send me a picture of their kids sitting in my lap or dancing with me on stage. And remember that time at Opryland, my kids loved you. And so I will just tell you that I think that in that moment of 1992, I was awakened to the fact that there was going to be this through line of children. During my tenure there, I looked around and you asked, how did it come to be? It's because I got a bunch of no's. Because in 1996, we had just done this little video and I walk in with all of my, you know, jubilation. Hi, you know what we need to do for TNN? We need to have a kid's show because there are lots of grandmas and grandpas that babysit kids. And here's how we could do it. And, da, 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 da. and so the guys in suits going, let's keep an eye on her. She's getting too big for her britches. Ooh, that is language that is so 20th century, right? And so I was like, and the minute that the suits said, watch it, Janet, you're dreaming too big for this, a product you do not own. I went home and thought, hmm, you're right. I don't own it. And I care about it deeply. So I better figure out something I can do that is mine that I can care about deeply and is nobody else's and nobody's gonna tell me to stand down. So the genesis of Janet's Planet happened right there in Opryland. Thank God for the suits that said, you know, settle down yeah. because it was the entry point <clears throat> for me to go, huh, what could I create? And I thought, I love science. I love the solar system. Hmm. And in, I don't know if you guys are 
some of you may remember in the late nineties, Bill Nye, the science guy and world were about the only things you could find in science. There wasn't like a female science role model because let me pose this to you and your audience. And I want audience, I want you to respond in the comments. If you can name somebody. (laughs) When I say Bill Nye, the science guy, Neil deGrasse Tyson, who is their female equal? And oh, I hear the and Ivy. Well, yeah. bless you. I love you already. <laughs> but but truthfully, guys, it's like most of the like people will name, you know, the magic school bus lady before yeah. they'll name an actual female. So I planted my flag there back in 1996. One of the kids' dads happened to be an attorney, and he was like, Well, what do you want to call this thing you want to do? And I was like, Well, you know, I got called interplanet Janet, like, you know, in Schoolhouse Rock. And he's like, well, you can't have that. And I was like, what about Janet's planet? And he's like, let's do a trademark search. (laughs) And what Janet had not, you know, grabbed that already, I don't know, but it was uh, kismet and meant to be. So um, at that point, I had a reputation of like, hey, if you need kids for a video shoot, why don't you call Janet? And so very shortly, I was like the old woman in the shoe, And of course, what, you know, I got all the flavors. So let me know. And probably around the time that I was already, I didn't even know what Janet's Planet was going to be, but I was filing for the trademark, right? And the service mark, I knew it was going to be kids, science, solar system education. And then I get a call from Sana Joe, who is a producer at Nashville Public Television. And she goes, we've had auditions for this ITV series, but we still haven't found the right kids who can really pull off the dialogue. Do you have anybody who's like, how many do you need? So I sent her five of my best. She hired all five and Sana and her husband created Mother Goose Club, which many of your parents out there may be watching there on YouTube. It's a humongously popular YouTube series. Sana opened the door for me at public television and I have been directing or choreographing or assistant directing Mother Goose Club since 2008. So always remember that those relationships that open the no. door for you can possibly be those relationships that are long term that can go on for years. And no. it just kept going. The door opened. I, I, when the, when I was pitching Janet's Planet as this like half hour series and this is how we're going to do it, I got a lot of no's. And um, there was a new vice president named Beth Curley who had just come down from Boston. She didn't quite know what to do with my big Southern. Hi, how you doing? <laughs> she was like, stop it and slow down. I kept trying to get a meeting with her, but then finally found out the secret sauce from the, uh, from the, from the receptionist there that Beth really loved Paul Newman dark chocolate from Whole Foods. So I went and bought 20 chocolate bars and basically covered her desk in chocolate and says, all I need is 30 minutes. And that is the moment she goes, okay, I can't say no to anybody who gives me chocolate. We sit down (laughs) again. I give her the big blue sky drink. This is what it was. She's like, Hey, 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 slow down. We don't have the money for that. But what we do have the money for is you can do an interstitial series. And I was like, sure. Thank you, ma'am. I had to go home and look up the word. I was like, what? And so (laughs) interstitial is just these short little segments at the top of the hour, at the bottom of the half hour. And all I can tell you is that it's like hopefully passion and energy covers a lot of mistakes 
We made these ridiculous, when I look back at them now, like so homegrown, three interstitials. I went out and raised a whopping $1,400. It was the first time I'd ever asked for anybody to support the, the Janet's Planet Endeavor. And then we ended up winning our first regional Emmy with those. And the story goes on from there. <laughs> well, that that's what I wanted to ask because I'm, I'm looking at your, your LinkedIn and I see the how it started 2000, Janet's Planet. And and I, it does look a little, you know, home produced green. It, and then you, you're on with the, the guys from NASA working with the humans to Mars. So how did you transition from a children's TV show, although wildly successful, to something as serious and important as moving life to Mars? So, again, showing up. I, again, it's like, I, you know, you sort of want to have like when you hear somebody talk about their their life or their their career trajectory to go, come on, give me the real secret here. And all I can tell anybody who's listening is I just kept showing up. It's yeah. like we kept, you know, it's like as we began to win regional Emmys here at National Public Television, other stations says, hey, we don't have a lot of like uh, content and this is great for filler and for putting into these bumpers. Can we use it? Sure thing. And then shortly then kids, I said, I can occasionally get a free Starbucks. I drive around in my Janet's Planet car, come up to the window and they're like, I've seen my childhood. Your coffee's free today. I used to watch you all the time on public television. But so I kept doing that, you know, and we would then then Beth at public television would say, hey, you're doing good. We're going to give you the Vanderbilt Children's Hospital money. So I would do that. And then somewhere around 2007, a parent says, hey, my kids love Janet's Planet. I'm a music producer. How about let's do an album together? So we did a little Rock the Planets uh, CD that's on iTunes. And then from there, I was like, but you know, I still make video. So how about I do a video that accompanies that and we'll pitch it to Scholastic and things like that. And around 2008, the, the VP of Education at Space Florida happens to get a copy of this very homegrown, you know, tour of the solar system. And I get a call in November of 2008. Hi, Janet, this is Dr. Percy Looney, which when you hear it out loud, sounds like he made it up. Uh, and I work <laughs> for Space Florida. We have a mandate from the Stephen Hawking Foundation to take microgravity to Florida classrooms, but we know that our funding is going away because what do we remember about 2008? The market crash. Recession, yeah. yeah. So he was like, uh, and we want to know, would you like to produce a documentary on microgravity? Uh, we'd like to fly you down and have you fly on the zero G plane. I'll be there. Sure thing. <laughs> and so <laughs> crazy, right? So it goes from this, like just doing your thing, spreading it out to as many stations that will carry it, getting finally kind of like, you know, National Educational Television Association to say, yes, we'll upload it and offer it to as many pe people as possible. So we produced this video for Space Florida. In January of 2009, Dr. Looney calls and goes, hey, the situation's bad. Our, it's been, uh, our funds to finish this project have been frozen because of everything that's going on. I was like, oh, Dr. Looney. And I don't, I don't, I don't not do what I say I'm going to do. So you will get this documentary. So we finished it. It wins a STEM Florida award. We win a regional Emmy award. 
And because of that documentary, I meet Buzz Aldrin. Wow. A friend of mine, this is, I know you can't make this stuff up. There's no way to write this down, right? <laughs> so in 2009, Buzz Aldrin is going to be at the Southern Festival of Books right here in Nashville. My friend Angela wins the Twitter contest and she to be the first in line to get his autograph. And she goes, oh, this is the day of my daughter's first birthday. Just go and get me a book signed, but you should be first in line anyway. Well, you know, every entrepreneur should be prepared. So in my pocket, I've got my DVD and my business card. And I don't know what I thought I was doing, but I was like, I thought I might as well hand this to the guy himself. And, you know, you know, who knows what can happen. So I listened to him speak. I'm thumbing through his book, Magnificent Desolation. Well, he is not only, you know, the second but boot prints on the moon, but he's also flown on the zero G plane like six times. So I thought that's my open. So I'm standing in line. It's a little chilly October day. And it's like, hi. And it's like, hi, sir. And he's like, um, Hey, I produced this with space Florida. He's like, are you a, are you a teacher? It's like, well, kind of like an educator, communicator, science reporter kind of person. We need more people like you. He slides his card back to me. He's like, stay in touch signs my books. I look down at his business card. It says rocket hero, astronaut. I mean, stuff that you normally don't get when somebody passes your, you know, their business card. So I come home, I write what I think is like, I spend a week writing what I can think is my best conceived letter ever making my case that, and we're not building with the raw materials of, you know, titanium and steel. I'm talking about building with the raw materials of mines and about two weeks later, I'm driving to teach, you know, an acting class. I know it doesn't quite compute, but you do what you got to do when you're an entrepreneur. And I get this call. Hi, Janet. This is Buzz Aldrin. And I, for a moment, thought there were a few of my production buddies punking me. Well, you know what I mean? Like, hey. So I was like, I thought I'll play along. Yes, sir. Well, you know, we're here and we're about to go to uh, Princess uh, somebody's thing. And I'm like, are you ever in Memphis? I was like, well, I grew up near there. Well, we're going to be at the blues ball. Why don't you come out down there and join us? I want you to be part of my uh, Buzz Aldrin share science. And, and maybe you can be, become a share science ambassador. Sure thing, sir. So all I can tell you, it was a little bit of kismet and showing up and just being bold enough to slip those things across. In 2010, I'm giving a speech and at the Space Investment Summit, literally asking for funding again for Janet's Planet. And I had made up this last slide that basically said, honoring that bold step of Apollo by taking an even giant, even a more giant leap in education. Well, Buzz Aldrin at that time in 2010 had just been on Dancing with the Stars. I had no, no reason to expect him to walk into the room. As I am taking the stage, it was right after Nashville's flood. I had gone to volunteer and we had gone down to help some people on Murfreesboro Road. I had bronchitis because of the mold that we've been inhaling because as we were helping people clean out from the flood. So I am literally trying to gargle in anything to get up there and just get my 10 minute speech over in walks Buzz Aldrin and sits on the front row. After my speech, he sits down. I remember meeting you in Nashville and I remember talking to you. We need to do more things together. That entire time in Chicago at the International Space Development Conference, it was wherever I ended up. Hey, Janet, come over here. He gave me such immense 
street credibility that people then within a few years are asking me, come Janet, and I, I, we've heard Buzz talks about you all the time and the education that you do. And even then it was way smaller than what it is now. And then I kept showing up and I'd get asked to be on a women in space panel. Well, I've never been to space. I'm just encouraging the, the future ones to go. And then I get asked to be the on the board of governors for the National Space Society. And then I kept showing up at these different conferences and Explore Mars didn't really have an education plan. And I'm like, hey, I like you guys, you're small. Let me help you. And in 2019, uh, the now president emeritus Artemis Westenberg, who lives in the Netherlands, was going to go and start up Explore Mars Europe. And she was like, you're my pick to be the president of Explore Mars. And I'm like, are you sure? Don't you want somebody with some fancy alphabet soup after their name? She goes, nope, I like what you do for the kids. So all I can tell you is that the reason that it goes from this grainy SD image of me paying probably 500 bucks for some animation to a hundred thousand views on the NASA TV website because of the interview that I just did with uh, Senator, you know, NASA Administrator Bill Nelson is just the fact that you keep showing up and it's clear to people what it is you do. I am a shepherdess and guardian of the future generation of space explorers. I am, the, you know, kind of like that curator of like talent and intended to raise students up to stand in their magnificence. And you say it loud and long enough and people go, oh, all right, come on along. Come, come. And it's, it's a crazy pathway, but here I am, you know, May of 2022 is looming. So 30 years in the making, and then really Janet's planet, when I consider when we first did our first real episodes in 2000, we got a 21 year kind of span here that if you simply keep going in the direction of that thing that you want and aspire to, it in inevitably happens because they're going, we might as well give her something to do. This check's not going away. Yeah. Compounding interest of taking advantage of opportunities. Yeah. No, it, it's interesting, right? Because before we started recording, we we're talking about this journey of, yeah, you can see the success, but there's lots of struggles along the way. And I think people stop going because they hit obstacles. They know, don't know how to get around. Um, so they stop, they quit. Because they think, okay, this is it, just not in the cards for me. So what are some of those things? Like, I, I know, you know, you have to keep being persistent. And when things don't look good or not looking up, you just have to keep going. What are some of those things where you might have questioned, like, is this the right path for me? Oh, goodness. In 2006, when I thought I had a really great pitch deck, I pitched to Disney. I pitched to Nickelodeon. I pitched to Discovery. And it was no. And then a few years later, Disney's trying to come out with something called Janet Saves the Planet, which we uh, fought and won because oh, it wow. encroached, encroached too much on our brand and our trademark. Um, you know, everyone listening, I have heard no so many more times than I have heard yes. Mm -hmm. uh, it's like in my mind, it's like one of the things that I deal with here at this place and time is like, oh my gosh, why couldn't I have known now what I know? I would know maybe how to get to that global brand. Would I? Would it have been that series on the Science Channel or Space Channel? Um, and I don't know. I think what along the way, what you have to do is 
you have to have some reality that, yeah, they're going to be years. Your ROI is going to be, whoo, we made it. They're going to be times you're going to have to innovate new things. Just like mm-hmm. a few years back, we were like, okay, uh, this is great. So probably around 2011, we instituted, we, somebody approached us and said, hey, if you Janet's Planet together as a performing arts center show, we can book it into these big venues around the country. So we put together performing arts center show. Out of that, it bubbled into, well, what else can you do like hands-on science? Can you create some camps or stuff? So then we created the Janet's Planet Astronaut Academy and had a brilliant couple of summers doing that. Then COVID. And I was like, oh my gosh, you could just see everything fall away. And so I probably cried in my coffee one Monday afternoon during lockdown in March and said, I got to be with kids. We went online and said, hey, join us here on Zoom. Who wants to learn about the solar system? The first day we had 26. The next day we had 76. I asked industry leaders and space and tech and engineering and every, you know, kind of like science thing that I know. Hey, you want to come talk to a group of kids? What else are you going to do? You're sitting there in your pajamas. Come on. And so we created this kind of like Janet's Planet online astronaut academy and we've still got students who are continuing with that so i think it's a matter of reality i think if you're an entrepreneur at heart there's always going to be something it's like how can i best this how can i keep going how can i keep growing it to something bigger i think also (laughs) celebrating those times when you're walking out of cracker barrel and the gentleman goes oh we homeschool i saw your car we love janet's planet and going and treating that as your Pulitzer Prize, right? Your Nobel Prize, your whatever award you want to call it there, that sometimes making impact in the micro is maybe just as good as making it in the macro. We all wish for that big macro impact, right? But sometimes the real good, juicy, wonderful, delicious stuff happens on the one-to-one and in the smaller things. Again, I I have a I have trouble calling myself like a real success. I go, oh, if I could only have been smarter and hired more people sooner, et cetera. But I think you have to celebrate the victories when they come, however yep. they come. You have to continually be pliable, flexible, and shift and go, how can I look at this differently, but still be somehow branded as what I love doing? And then constantly looking for those people, whether it's your marketing company, whether it's your website people, whether it's your assistant, your interns, et cetera, the people that support you in your business, that you're looking for the best talent, those best people that really are joining with you and only make you better. Mm -hmm. And I always try to surround myself with people way smarter than me because they do indeed make me better. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree with all that. And, and, you know, I'm a big believer that to make it as an entrepreneur, you have to have positive momentum. And I think you get positive momentum by persistence and consistency. You know, on my calendar, I have this, uh, me and trusty have this block that just says planting seeds. We're going to plant seeds today that aren't going to grow for probably a year. Right. But I'm doing today what I know is going to pay off because I know this is what I have to be doing. And I and I think it, it's a mindset shift of people saying, hey, I have to have patience. I have to keep going. It's going to pay off. Someone will notice me. The clients are going to come in. The money's going to come in. But it's a mindset shift. And unless you have that shift, it, it can be miserable at times. Um, but hearing it from people like you and like other guests we've had, it's Hey, just keep going. It's, it's going to pay off for you because the people that aren't supposed to make it will quit. 
mm-hmm. you're supposed to make it keep going. And it, you know, again, it's like, have there been times where I've gone, come home and gone, yep, I'm not opening up the doors tomorrow. I'm done. And then I will get an email or a text message or something that will be enough of a flicker of light that I will keep going. Yep. I will share with you that probably the person I look up to the most in this is Mr. Rogers. And if you've never read the book, The Simple Faith of Mr. Rogers by Amy Hollingsworth, I highly recommend it because it talks to to people about kind of like the general general way he approached how he did things. And he he had this belief after an experience where they went to hear Henry Nouwen speak. And, you know, because he was a Presbyterian seminary student for a while. Well, they he and his friend get there. Henry Nouwen's plane is delayed. This lay person speaks. Fred says the whole time he's, you know, kind of critiquing and judging. And at the end of it all, he turns to his friend, ready to really kind of like go through his, you know, critique. When his friend turns to him with tears running down his face saying, oh, Fred, wasn't that exactly what we needed to hear today? And Fred said that in that moment, he was struck dumb with the fact that the space between the speaker and the hearer is kind of this sacred ground that so many times that what people actually need to hear if your intent is to give it the most positive presence you can and send it out there with the best of your ability, that if that if your if your heart and your mind and everything is kind of like in alignment, they will get your message. And mm-hmm. so I just always kind of take that to heart. And then one last little story that I love to tell for anybody who's going, well, I don't know if my vision's big enough or my whatever. There was a photographer that was uh, photographing the tragedy in Rwanda many years ago. And he had taken his camera down, rubbed his eyes. He looked up again and he could have sworn he saw movement in this pile where they were triaging bodies. And he questioned himself several times. Finally, they realized that this person was moving. They moved this person barely alive and they attempted to give him a full glass of water. Well, this poor dehydrated, very not well human couldn't take a full glass, but it was drop by drop over the course of three days until he could take that full glass. And my takeaway after reading that story was, as much as I would like to give everybody that full glass of science and tech and Mm -hmm. space and STEM, I may only be responsible for that one drop. So if you cross a puck, you know, come across my path, kiddo, here's my one drop. And I pray that other good adults and other people will do the same. But I think that applies to all of us as entrepreneurs. I don't, you know, we're always going to dream and dream big and keep that dream even going bigger. And then I think remembering always to come back to that center of humility Mm -hmm. and grace for yourself and going, you know what, I'm going to put my one drop in. I'm going to do the best that I can today. If my best is 65% because I'm weighted down by the last 18 months and we've seen everything kind of like, you know, jumbled, then that as long as we're committed to giving our best to focusing on something that really matters to us and hopefully having an element of our business that ultimately adds good and value and uh, hopefully light into this world. I think that we're all going to be okay. And whoever's out there thinking about, should I do it? If you can't stop thinking about it, if you can't 
stop not wanting to do it. And if everything that crosses your path is nagging you to do it, then you should absolutely do it. Yep. No, I agree. I, I 100% agree. I, I, uh, I told my dad this. My dad made a shift from a corporate level job to being a real estate agent. And um, he, he's almost 60. But I told him, I said, listen, dad, you know, I'm 25, but my fear is being on, you know, my deathbed whenever that is and, and thinking, you know, if only I would have done this, if only I would have tried, if only I would have spoken up, if only this. And that's a real fear because I think in our day to day, the fear stops us from doing those things because of, okay, how are they going to view me? Um, am I even really good at this? Does anybody care? No one's listening. I only have three followers on Instagram. Like you, you have all these things that truly don't matter. The only thing that matters is taking that step. And I want to be able to look at myself in the mirror. Um, I want to be able to say, you gave it your all. You did it. And, you know, we're good. So, and I, I think just like what you said, just keep going. It, it's going to suck. I think, you know, they, the military say embrace the suck. It's going <laughs> to suck a lot of the time. And I was telling Trusty, I was like, you know, it's, it's crazy because recently or over this past year, you know, you're going into to the week. And I just tell myself, yeah, this week's going to suck, <laughs> but I'm going to do the best I can and we're, we're going to get through it. And, and that's all you can really do. Just give it your best and, and it's going to play out. Well, it's like, you know, yeah, it's, it becomes real glamorous when, you know, I'm still loading the truck or I'm still part of the crew when we're loading into a performance, you know, performing art centers or, hey, I'm still like at the living room looking like an Amazon warehouse when I'm, you know, kind of packing up to go and do these camps. And I've got mm -hmm. an intern and then my assistant and we're all trying to get that. And so, yeah, it's, you know, trying to trying to streamline, streamline that. And, you know, you read books like Tim Ferriss's Tools of the Titans and things like that. And yeah. Yeah, it's like that's where we all want to go yep. but I think again it's like I I see all too often people who get to certain levels and then don't remember how many people help them along the way yep, and I I just I don't know I'm a person who says yes so if anybody connected with me on LinkedIn, a student or somebody's like, well, how did you do X, Y, Z? I have done my best to say, let's have a conversation. It's mm -hmm. like, I've got 15, 30 minutes here. Let's, let me see. Let me see if I can introduce you or be the conduit to maybe where you need to go. I may not be able to help you, but at least I can be part of assisting if I can. And I need to do that. Cause I do think that that is the one place that I feel like every entrepreneur can do is give back to those who are coming up behind them. Like yeah. you can tell them your pitfalls. I wish this is my pitfall. I wish when I'd started out, I had created that five to seven, 10 year, 15 year plan. It was very, very kind of like hodgepodge and, you know, duct tape together. It was like whatever I could do when I could do it without a real honest to God plan. And had I known that that would have so helped me propel and who knows what I might have been able to create had I been able to do that. Um, 
find somebody who can talk you through that. And mm. no matter how crazy your creative brain gets and you want to pass out and your eyes are glazed over, like get somebody who is good at keeping you to task. You know, it's like it's taken me probably until the last, I'd say, you know, five to 10 years to finally go, okay, I need, I need you to be that for me and my company, because I will be the big visionary that comes up with 15 things we could do. And then they go, no, we're just going to do this right now. And we're going to hold to this. So that, that is what I regret. If I have a regret at all, is that starting out, I didn't sit and take a week to a month, whatever, and make myself at least try to envision where I wanted it to go rather than letting it rather organically happen. Granted, I've been supremely lucky in all the ways that it organically happened, uh, but I think that's just kind of dumb luck. I wish I would have been that business that would have really been able to go, this is where we grow it. This is where we scale it. That was my mistake early on in my 20s. Well, and I think too, you, you don't know what you don't know. And it comes with experience as well. But uh, Jana, as we close, we've talked about a lot and this has been awesome. I, I love your energy. I love, you know, the story that you've, you told us about, you know, from nothing to, Hey, this is Janet Ivy. Janet's fine. And it's, that's powerful. That story is very powerful. But as we close, you know, you, you think about, okay, consistency, persistence, people are going to say, okay, got it. Heard that before. I just got to keep going. It's not that easy. It's not always easy to just keep going sometimes. If you had to tell people one thing of this is how you keep going, what is that one thing? Mm. I'm pausing only because I want to make sure it's truly my one thing. This is good. It is good. I'm going to preface this. This may sound, I don't even think I'll preface it. I would hope that you guys would hold the space that this is as true a thing that I can say. The moments that I have felt like giving up or wanted to give up, there was always, there was always a child that was the reason that I wouldn't. There was always something nagging at me that if I don't do this or I don't show up in this way in this world, what will I be forfeiting? And over the years, I could recount you with kids, whether I've coached them in acting or science or encouraged them in space, that they are doing great and mighty things. So I suppose my one thing is, I, if you feel like, okay, this is too hard, I'm going to give up. I want you to sit quietly and I want you to go, is there one person, and maybe you don't even know them yet, but is there in any way in your heart, mind, and soul that if you don't do this work, what will you be forfeiting and what might you not be giving to someone you haven't met or may never? And if that kind of sits with you a while and you're like, yeah, I better, I mean, who else, if not now, when, if not me, who, mm-hmm. that's my one thing. I think it's, if, if not 
me, who, and if not now, when, and if however source, God, divine, whatever talks to you, keep saying it's you, then it's you. Yep. No, that's powerful. I like that. That's super powerful. And I, I think it's people becoming self-aware of, you know, if not me, who, if not now, when, and I think that's very powerful. So Janet, that's a great way to end the episode. Thank you so much for coming on. If someone wants to get in touch with you, ask you any sort of question about entrepreneurship space, Mars, aliens, et cetera, how can they get in touch with you? <laughs> you can find me. You can always go to my website, janetsplanet.com. Uh, Janet at janetsplanet.com is my uh, business email. You can find me on LinkedIn at Janet Ivy. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. It's either Janet's Planet or Janet's Planet Official. And uh, yeah, I'll be happy to engage with you. My story will be, I'll probably be cheering you on and you'll be much further than I was at any of <laughs> at any point. But uh, I love to cheerlead. So yeah. reach out if you will. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. We definitely appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Janet. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Nash Biz Podcast. We post new episodes every single week, and we'd greatly appreciate if you would subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'll catch you next time.